Good morning, and uh, let's just open in prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for your time of fellowship we have together as a body of Christ. We thank you for the time of worship, and Lord, even the time of eating together, we can provide natural food, but Father God, it's you from your throne that provides us with the spiritual food that we need to hear. So Father, we just commit this day to you. We commit um, this word to you. Lord, keep my mouth from speaking anything that I'm not supposed to say. And if there was anything that I left out, I ask God that you bring it to remembrance. Anoint this message. Anoint the ears of your people to be able to hear in Jesus' name. I have uh, titled this message, Get Up and Walk. Today is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church, and worldwide people are praying for and remembering our brothers and sisters in chains, in prisons, in refugee camps, those in isolation, families torn apart, many killed, all because of their confession of Jesus Christ being their Lord and Savior. I don't know if you guys caught this um, in the news yesterday, that uh, I heard that Trump sent a SEAL Team 6 into, um, I think it was Niger or Nigeria, I can't remember, to rescue and bring back a son of a missionary. He was um, kidnapped and was being held ransom. And so, praise God, they brought him back safely. And I believe it was his captors were uh, killed. Hebrews 13.3 says, Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. Last year, during a prayer meeting with a few of us interceding for this nation, praying for those brothers and sisters in other countries, we were crying out for their courage, for their physical needs to be met, and for them to receive comfort in the Spirit. My spirit was in such anguish, and then I heard the Holy Spirit speak, and he said, If to the same degree that you have prayed for my people who are being persecuted, is the same degree they will pray for you when you will be persecuted, what would it look like? Very sobering picture, and it caused me to evaluate how often do we share with our brothers and sisters in chains across the world, praying for them, interceding for them. We sing songs about America, 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 and how God has shed his grace on thee, and what a true statement that is. We have been so far removed from the sufferings of our brothers and sisters, it's easy to forget. To forget that right now there are Christians awaiting death sentences, that right now fathers and mothers have been ripped from their homes, away from their children. Right now people's villages are being burned up as they run and become people without country or home, living in refugee centers. We forget because we have lived in such favor and blessing such prosperity, and with God's hand of protection and favor truly upon this nation. 
No other nation in history, besides Israel, has had the miraculous hand of God writing their story like we do. Impossible feats of victory. Today, on this day of remembrance of the persecuted church worldwide, I have a timely message for you. One the Lord has been piecing together for me for the last two decades, and has now impressed on my heart to tell his people. Habakkuk 2, 2-3 says, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. That's the New King James Version. Let me read for you in another translation. It says, For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end, and it will not prove false. Though it lingers, though you have to wait for it, though it's something that you, you, you know is going to happen, but it's, you're waiting, and it feels like it's never going to happen, wait for it. It will certainly come, and it will not delay. As an adult, this was one of the very first things God spoke to my spirit in regards to instruction of how he was using me and what he was calling me to do. He told me to write down his words and then brought me to this scripture. And so in, in obedience, I have written down what he has spoken to me for over 20 years. Whether it's in a dream, in a word, or a vision, I have a literal huge tote that's like three feet by two feet big of things that I've written down for over 20 years. Not knowing what they were for, who to speak them to. Yes, I've shared in small group settings, on individual levels and Bible studies or, or whatnot, but they seem to tarry. Again, a few years back, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, write down the things I'm telling you and get ready to speak them. So, today with the direction of the Holy Spirit, and I pray the anointing of the Lord, I want to paint a picture for you. I am taking the pieces that God has given to me and putting them together to make, hopefully, a clear picture. I've been reluctant in this because I don't want to stand before you and, quote, qualify myself as if I have anything spectacular to say. If anything that I have to say is, is so important, I know that it has been the Lord who has spoken, and I pray that it's the Lord you hear today. I want to back up several decades, a couple decades, and uh, so at this point I had never been savvy on political or geopolitical understanding, and in fact, I never registered to vote until I felt convicted to do so for the Obama and McCain presidential run. However, over the years, I've had a growing desire to understand what is happening around the world and in the USA, but that desire did not come from anything other than the dreams that I felt the Lord had given to me. I had four distinct, distinct dreams, political or geopolitical in nature, that forced me to pay attention, forced me to start looking. Other than that, I just am a homeschool mom to five children and some grandbabies that at that time, uh, the Lord was giving me these dreams, just still had my five kids at home and homeschooling them. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, 
and have dedicated my life to serve the Lord in whatever capacity he will allow me to join him, to be used of him. I've had other dreams, uh, prophetic, as you would call them, in nature, but they were about individuals. In my prayer times, the Holy Spirit has spoken to me things to proclaim where I've literally, just him and I, there's nobody else in there, have felt like I was opening up a scroll, standing up and proclaiming things that I later watched come to pass. There's been at least four occasions where he's woken me up in my sleep to stand in the gap and intercede for people literally facing death and come to find out that they were physically in a moment that they were going to die and God saved them. So I can't be remiss, I can't not speak the words that he's given. I want you to remember as I start to go through these, it's 2020 now, the end of 2020, and it's really quite easy to see these things, but I want you to remember in the times, it was starting in the late 90s that the Lord started revealing these things that he's had me speak. The dreams I had about the USA have made me be ever aware of the times that we are living in. They have changed the way that I approach my life. They have changed the way that I see where we are at, the life that we've been given, and how we are supposed to respond in the times that we are living in. And they've given me a, a strong voice and a stance. If I have a platform, so-called, of anything, it would be, and it has been, for the Christian to wake up, stand your ground, to not compromise the words of God. The warning, I have felt like a broken record, proclaiming for the last 20 years. Here is something that I wrote 10 years ago or more. We are entering a time that I see as will be fulfilled in Amos 8.11. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine for bread or a thirst for water, but rather for hearing the words of the Lord. I believe for the Christian we are being given very clear signs and evidence that we are entering the last days and to not be caught off guard or unaware, to seek the Lord now and yield to his discipline to train our ears to hear him now. Pay attention to what this says. Chaos will be upon us. Again, that was over a decade ago. And if we are not ready, we will be floundering. He is calling us to him. I believe that he will be also getting setting up people as places of lighthouses and places of refuge. I see these will be places of refuge in the days to come. I believe they will serve as places of safety. I believe the Lord has even set out places he has saved for such times, pieces of property, that have been spared and dedicated to the Lord. It's easy to see that now, beginning to see those things, correct? The first dream I had was in the late 90s. The dream was very short and to the point. It was uh, many important people, it seemed like they felt like they were in government, world leaders of the set of like. They walked into a building and a meeting took place, and I don't know if it was a secret meeting because the door was closed, so I don't know what was going on in the meeting or what they said. 
But when they came out, they raised a new flag, like a global type flag. The feeling when I woke was that it was some sort of like UN type flag or something. And that what it meant though was a change in world powers and it was a very negative feeling. Now, whether that will physically take place or if that was literal or symbolic and secret, we don't know what was happening behind the closed doors, but we can see that all sorts of agendas are being laid bare in this time. We are beginning to see global ties and scandals of all sorts and world leaders that um, are unifying. The second dream was very simple. It was in, I believe, in the summer of 2001. And I wrote, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I honestly, at this point, have no interest or even the slightest clue in politics or even events around the world. Don't understand who our allies or enemies were and didn't understand powers and alliances between the other countries when I had this dream. In the dream, there was a sense of, quote, chaos, fear, and panic. I'm in a car in the passenger seat and my husband is driving and out of nowhere seems to be an unexpected panic or chaos around us. As I look out the window to see what is happening, I see a flag being hoisted up on American ground, but it wasn't an American flag. It was two flags in half sewn to make one flag. One side was Russian, the other side was Chinese. That was the whole dream. Again, will this physically take place in America? Or is this a sign of communism, socialism entering into our country? It is, a, is it a spiritual thing? In 2001, shortly after 9-11, in a time of prayer, I think as we were all very heavily praying more during that time, the Holy Spirit spoke something to me that shook me, very clear. He said, America will cease to exist as she always has. I want you to look at us now. Look at America right now. Now remember that was in 2001, almost 20 years ago. America ceases to exist as she has existed. She is not the same America. She's almost unrecognizable for past generations. Now, of course, during this time, I, I, when the Lord spoke that to me, because 9-11 just happened, I wondered, are we going to physically be um, destroyed? What's going to happen? But as we see, and that I'm not saying what's going to happen in the future with that, but what we see is that the core values of America ceases to exist as a whole nation the tearing down of our constitution, changing things, trying to erase our history. The third dream was March 9th, 2005. I'll just read it to you. It was quite intricate in nature, but I'll give you the short version. The land of America was being completely devastated, just torn up. It was quite horrific. Everyone was gasping, and what I mean by everyone is I understood them to be Christians in my dream. These, the, the people that were watching this thing um, 
display were, were Christian people. And then a monster comes onto the picture, but he walks in backwards. And what we could see is the monster itself was a word, but he was walking in backwards, so it was spelling a word, but coming onto the screen backwards, you'd have to, it was um, spelling it, you'd, you'd only saw the, the back end first. And as one letter at the time was coming into the picture, it spelled S S E N I D E E R G. And everyone was gasping, fearfully distraught, as it was coming on the screen with huge gaping mouth, chewing up the land, just absolutely devastating the land. And it was slowly revealed, the Christians could see it, it spelled out greediness. The moment they saw what the word was and were able to read it, however, they said, oh, it's just greed. And they turned their backs on it. The monster looked almost silly, like in a non-threatening way, like a Sesame Street character. Meanwhile, it continued to devastate and destroy America. That dream was three years before the economy plunged in 2008. As we see that it had a physical representation, um, I do believe that the Lord was also speaking to his church since these were Christians represented. The prosperity message has brought in a spirit of greed. And yet, Christians, it comes in backwards, it comes in a deceiving way, and we look at it, and then we, we're gasping at what the, the symptoms that we see are happening. And yet, when we say it, oh, just turn your back on it, it's just greed, just greediness. It was a trick. It was very tricky, coming in backwards and silly-looking like harm, harmless looking almost. I don't think we've seen that true recovery from what the greed has caused. I see this clearly, clearly in the physical realm, but in the church, there's that spiritual feel of just so much greed that causes so much compromise. In In 2008, the carnage in America took a sharp rise and had been steadily increasing ever since. We took a very wrong turn as a nation, and the fruit of all of that was being displayed by the blood in the streets, hate, evil, and a very divisive spirit. In 2008, in a time of prayer, I saw the United States in the palm of God with his other hand cupped over it, like like this. We have, uh, God's hand was out. There was the United States sitting in his palm and over it, covered and closed was his other hand. But we have a nation have turned our backs on him. We've taken him out of our schools, have ripped him out of anything that was in our government, have taken him even out of our churches. I saw, actually, and let's remember that Obama stood and, and said, and I'm just going to paraphrase, I know that he had a speech with this, but America is no longer a Christian nation. From the highest 
pulpit, basically, from which you can speak, the highest position of leadership in the world, he declared that our nation was no longer a Christian nation. What I saw God's hand doing was the top hand began to lift. And as it lifted, hordes of evil, demonic forces rushed in. It was like the scene out of World War Z, which I hadn't seen until much later and realized, oh, wow, that looked very familiar to what I was seeing, where just the hordes were coming up over the wall. That's what it looked like, just hordes of demonic uh, entities coming up. This evil had the power and ability to set up strongholds and wreak havoc in such a way they had not been allowed before. It was like they were given a legal right and they weren't being restrained anymore. I heard or understood in this vision that the Lord was giving me that God was lifting his hand of favor, of blessing and protection on this land. And as he did so, the enemy of God came in, and the enemy of his people came in, and a spiritual darkness was unleashed and an evil we have not known in this country. It was filthy and vile. The protection and blessing we have taken for granted and have prided ourselves on never, it never belonged to us. It was the favor of the Lord for this nation. We as a nation have cursed God, have rejected him, told him to get out. We have killed millions of babies. And when I say we, nobody in this room, we, I'm not talking about our, our personal things, but if we are a body of Christ and we are supposed to be even chained, consider ourselves chained with our brothers and sisters who are in persecution, we also must realize that the, as the body of Christ, we have sinned greatly against the Lord with compromise. So I say we. We as a nation have uh, cursed God and rejected him and told him to get out. That's as a nation. But think about God's peoples. We have killed millions of babies. We have distorted his natural waves of sex. We have ate up false prophecies. We have cursed the name of God. We have defiled the godly institute of marriage. We have failed to, quote, be his people which are called by his name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. The lifting of his hand was the beginning of judgment. It wasn't anything he even had to do. It was just simple. All that he has shield, was shielding us from now had a legal right. And soon after that, we saw an, our economy crash. And by three years into Obama's first campaign, we had watched mass shooting increase. I did my own study because I was just shocked. I could not believe the carnage and the suicide rates and the murder rates. Just it felt like it felt like a shift. And so I looked into it, and this was just barely into his first administration that mass shootings had increased over 300% at that point, and they've skyrocketed since. We were seeing our military fell, which was 
strange. They were having, uh, there was strange mistakes and there was mechanical failures. There was helicopters that had gone down. There were floods and more floods and beginning in 2011, which were unprecedented. Tornadoes and fires. We've watched strange phenomenon of people that began using drugs that were attacking and eating other people. We had become an enemy to many nations, a laughing stock to the world. ISIS had gained more power and Islam was gaining strong movement and setting up basically spiritual strongholds in this nation. We can look at all these things in retrospect and, and say, oh yes, look at all these things. It really did take a, a turn. Something happened in this nation. But I want to pull back the veil and tell you what did happen what the Lord was revealing. All he had to do was lift his hand. And those principalities, demonic forces, and evil that we have not yet seen. Of course there's been evil in this nation, but it's different when they're setting up, they're given permission, legal right, uh, to make fortresses. And it's very strategic, very militarial. I wrote that in that year alone, I believe that was 2011, could not, yes, could not keep track of all the quote-unquote historical events that were happening in the USA. As Christians, if we deny seeing the correlation, we are in danger of being blinded by apathy and compromise. Jesus said, because of increase of lawlessness, that the heart of many would grow cold. And so I remember even speaking at that time, Christian, guard your heart. It's going to grow cold. It could grow cold. We're going to see all these things that it's just happening one thing on top of the other, one thing on top of the other that we're not going to be able to even keep up with and we become desensitized and our hearts grow cold toward God and toward our fellow man. In 2011, I remember watching a newscast and the meteorologist, because it, the, the news was making such news that a meteorologist was on there and said, we can't even keep up. We can't even keep up with all the things that are going on. And so when we look with spiritual eyes and pull back, like I said, that veil, we can see things differently. At the end of February 2011, so let me just back up, that was throughout 2011, but at the end of February 2011, I had another dream. It was pretty simple. I was running from the west coast to the east. We were actually living in California at the time, and that's where I started in the dream. I was running from the west to the east, and I knew this because it was um, significant in the dream. And as I was running, I could see local destruction all around. I saw school buses submerged, houses, cars. They were submerged in the earth, mud flowing over them in raging fashion. The ground was very unstable. It was awful as I continued to run frantically toward the east. The local picture all of a sudden turned into more of a USA picture where I could I was I was could see it above and I saw devastation everywhere the ground I was running on the USA was falling apart almost like how you see in a movie when an ice piece like if you um, an ice sheet is breaking apart and you're having to jump from one piece to the the next it's all wobbly except for this was like grassy land pieces I kept running and was questioning in my mind what's happening and that's when I heard the voice of God say Destruction is coming from the east, and that all the foundations are cracked. All the foundations are cracked. 
So I kept running to get my footing and I'm kind of running up the side of the devastation to this embankment. And as I see over the embankment, there's a parallel path running with the, um, as America is falling apart, there's this parallel path running. It was sturdy, it was strong, it was organized, it was made of bricks. So it was running parallel with American land that was falling apart. So I got on it and turned. Now I've hit the East Coast and I'm running from the East Coast back toward the West. And I was running, it was like a, a frantically running to warn the West, to warn the United States. At this point, I'm running on these very strong bricks. They're very organized and, and I'm watching because I can see over the embankment the parallel destruction of the U.S. as I'm running. As I look down and running as fast as I can, I notice the bricks have words on them and I keep running and I'm passing the words. They say China. I keep running and I see Iran. I keep running and then I awake. The feeling when I awoke was such impending doom that I stayed awake for hours, just interceding and praying for mercy. I prayed and I felt like the simple interpretation is obvious, that America is falling apart and crumbling at the same time that other countries, China, Iran, and others, are unified and growing stronger, and that the destruction of the USA was a source coming, quote, from the East. There were more words on that long brick path, but I woke to only knowing those two, seeing those two names. The bricks were not also, they were not set like how we see on houses where they are staggered. Um, Instead, they were in straight lines, one on top of the other. And it gave me the feeling of unity and resembled how soldiers are lined up in lines, very organized. It's easy to look back on these dreams and read them and see them now in reality to where we are. It's easy to look and say, wow, there was a ton of flooding in that year after this dream was given to me. In America, we had all sorts of kinds of flooding. And we began to see China and Iran making ties, getting closer. But you have to remember, these dreams were given starting back in the 90s, and by no means am I only person that have had these kind of warnings or dreams or visions. I say that because what I'm going to tell you now has the same voice these things have either been proven true or we can now see the reality of them in the near future. There was no way to know those things decades ago. In fact, when I would say these things, uh, so many people would just get so discouraged with me and just tell me I'm such a uh, negative person or a dooms doomsday person. But in the same manner in which the Lord has spoken and have faithfully warned his people, he is still so doing today. There has been a clear and consistent warning to his church for several years, and it has been to prepare. In 2016, um, during this time, the Spirit began speaking to me of a time of plenty before a time of famine. I was reminded of Joseph and the warning God had given that they were able to prepare for the coming famine. I've preached on this and have spoken frequently of a coming famine, spiritual famine. Um, I didn't at this time take this to be a literal, literal seven years. I just took it as symbolic, you know. But at this time, it was also intermingled was an election. And there was no way I believed that Trump was going to win. He rubbed me the wrong way. He was so crass. 
the things that were coming about him, the stories of the things that he had said, just were too much for me to get on board with him. I doubted his quote-unquote conversion, thinking that he was just pandering to the, the Christian voters. And a few weeks before the election, I dreamt I was on a couch watching the election, and I fell asleep, and to wake up to everyone going wild to and saying, Trump won, Trump won. Well, election night came, and I did fall asleep as we were late into the night. And just like in my dream, I woke up to the commotion of Trump won, Trump won. I was in literal shock. I don't know why, because I'd already been shown that he would win, but I guess the lesson for me in that was what the Spirit was showing me was so contrary to my feelings or my opinions of this is impossible. And this showed me the need we have to recognize when the Spirit is speaking. It was at this point I began to fervently pray for this man. It was also over the next years I began to feel that perhaps there could be a literal seven years of plenty before us, seven years of, quote, famine. The Lord kept saying to me, don't squander this time. Over a period of a few months, there was two more people that the Lord was speaking to them exactly about Joseph and that we are in a time of plenty. Being such a confirmation. I see these elections and what is happening in the world through a lens that God has been speaking to me for the last two decades. As I have watched these things come to pass and are now happening, in which 10 years ago people would tell me, impossible, impossible, America will never fall. We are too great a nation. We are too powerful. We will never fall. I cannot tell you how many Christians have told me that over the last two decades. I would warn and I would say to them, be prepared for when the political pendulum swings to the far left again in this nation, setting into motion the intensifying persecution of Christian and Jew. And make no mistake about it, these things must happen as Jesus has foretold. I, would, I wrote, the vile hatred of God will be unleashed upon his people. The hatred that people have toward God and his ways, even if they're atheists, they just hate and stand against God's ways, his character, his word. That vile hatred will be unleashed upon his people that hold true to the word. This is nothing new or unexpected. We've seen this throughout the ages, and Jesus has prophesied and warned, and we can discern we are in the 11th hour. As we stand at crossroads in this nation, again, we are pleading for four years of mercy that as a nation we frankly do not deserve. Do not squander the borrowed time if it is given to us. Do not rest easy and believe all is well, placing all your faith and hope in an administration. For it's the Lord that places and removes kings for his purposes. This time, if given to us, the time of plenty, a marked before a marked time of famine, is an extended mercy to prepare your spiritual person to relent would be a grievous move to get comfortable would be a grievous move 
What do you make of our time and what's happening in history across the world, in our churches, and as the nation pulses and the world feels on the brink of implosion? We see the words of Jesus, the apostles, the Old Testament prophets being fulfilled in our time. Do not dull your senses. Instead, be on guard as he has warned, because lawlessness abounds, the love of many will grow cold. Shield your hearts, discern with spiritual eyes, devour the word, and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you in all things. Be vigilant. Look out for growing pride because of a temporary holding off of judgment and well-fought victories. This will cause blindness in a stony heart. I wrote that in 2016. Many Christians became comfortable, prideful even. We take it as God's holding off any judgment. We've become comfortable and at ease. And now, look at us, where we're at. I continued, exponentially we are watching the Bible prophecies play out as we prepare for this last act. But take heart, you have been chosen in this drama. That means you have been given extraordinary opportunity to be used as a vessel of his glory and his will in these increasingly harrowing times. What good news. Will you waste, miscarry, or abort your calling? Will you, with eternal eyes, see and live fully in what it is he's called you to, glorifying the name of Jesus, showing forth the character, his character, his ways, and light and love? of our Lord? Or will you see only with temporal eyes, missing it because of fear or apathy or comprom compromise, comfort, unbelief, or confusion? Now is the time to press in and not ease up. Now is the time to pray for the extension of mercy to prepare. Now is the time to throw off anything that so easily entangles you. Now is the time to seek his face and spend time in the secret place of the Most High. Now is the time to accept the training of the soldier of the cross, allowing the submission of discipleship. Now is the time to set your face like flint and be unmoved in your resolve and the things the Lord has spoken to you. All that has been specifically taught and warned about for our times in the last decades is coming to pass. We are sensing the climax of the end story about to be played out. Where will you stand? As I go <clears throat> through the timeline of sorts, I want to direct your attention to the word of God. In Second Peter, we read about true prophetic words, warned against destructive doctrines and false teachers, reminded that God's promises are not slack, that mockers will come. We are reminded that the day of the Lord is indeed coming and commended to be steadfast. In verse 12, he speaks of being established in the present truth. You see, in the Bible, the Bible is living and active, and it's alive for every single generation. It's inclusive to everyone, whether you're male or female, old or young, rich or poor, not dependent upon what country or ethnic background you are of. But in each generation, the Holy Spirit speaks. And as Jesus said, he is the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, and he will teach us in all things. He searches the deep things of God and teaches us. So we should anticipate from hearing from God to see what the spiritual insight for our specific generation is being told to us by the Spirit. God uses all sorts of things to show us what he's doing. He uses world leaders, wars, natural disasters, things in nature. 
In my life, he's used normal everyday things, like even headlines that all of a sudden stand out as though they are being highlighted. The Holy Spirit is telling us, he is speaking and instructing us, establishing us in present truth. And I'm not talking about our salvation. I'm not talking about anything like that. I'm talking about our times that we are living in. Are we listening? Can we hear? And maybe you're sitting here today and, and hearing all these things and saying, I don't hear or see or have dreams or visions like this. But he has still told us, each one of us, to discern the times. And he has given us that spirit to be able to discern truth. But we are not going to be able to discern correctly if we are not spending time with him and in his word. I've been reading the screw tape letters with the kids, and uh, C.S. Lewis does a fantastic job of taking how the enemy works behind the scenes and puts it in a narrative form. And this story um, is a senior demon, an uncle, writing to his nephew, uh, a lower-level demon. And he's telling him, each chapter goes on to tell him what kind of tactics to use as, as C.S. Lewis reveals these things in letters as the, how the enemy um, attacks us and what kind of strategies he uses. And one of the things he instructs is to keep the patient, that's what he calls humans, the patient, distracted with the, quote, ordinary things of life. You see, the Bible tells us that we are in a battleground, a spiritual war against the enemy. It tells us that, if our, that our fight is not with flesh and blood, but with power and principality. Ephesians talks about our spiritual armor and how to use it. We are told of the schemes of the enemy, and sometimes when people think of quote-unquote demonic activity, the first thing they think about is the horrible, scary, gruesome-looking evil presence. And oftentimes don't even think about the quiet tactics that the enemy has. Just keep them distracted. Keep them on the level of just thinking about themselves, the busyness, moving forward in life. That's a tactic of the enemy to stay and, and keep your mind set on ordinary life, ordinary things of life. Several years ago, as a few of us were together praying, and before we lived in this house, the Lord revealed that he would show us the plans and the schemes of the enemy. It was like a vision being played out as I saw a room like a situation room, where leaders meet and discuss the plans and maneuvers to counterattack or cut off the plans of the enemy. I saw papers rolled out and maps and information that was obtained by agents or spies and, and there was this intel that was being given and brought back. This intel was laid out and these discoveries were used in knowing exactly how to deal with the enemy, what they were going to do. And further, he showed worship in this very place, in this very room. That he would use this house and people throughout the world like headquarters to join in with him, to see, plan, and call out counterattacks or disrupt the plans of the enemy. I believe he's been faithful in that. And week after week, as we have met and have prayed for specific strategies, joining in wars and battles in the heavenlies, you see, we have the opportunity as Christians to do that. In fact, we're supposed to be doing that. We have the opportunity to come into the throne room of God, hear his information, be given orders on how to deal with it. This isn't such a strange picture if you are hearing from the Lord, from the word of God. When we see that Jesus 
is the captain of the Lord of hosts, as he calls himself to Joshua, or when you read books like Daniel and get a glimpse of what the, was happening in the spiritual realm as Daniel prayed from the earthly realm, we get to read what was going on in the spiritual realm. Or when we read how we are seated in heavenly places, or in 2 Corinthians we are told, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I believe God is using and has set up all across this world these quote-unquote, if you want to call them situation rooms, where his people have come and will come to meet and get their orders from the captain of the Lord of hosts. I gave a general overview of the things that God was speaking up to 2016, and now for the last four years, as Marla and I and Ellen and I have gathered weekly in prayer, we've prayed over the nations, we have prayed over his people, we have prayed over the state and for individuals. I want to share the unfolding picture he has been speaking, and my hope in sharing and laboring everything up to this point has been to show that he has been speaking, he has been fulfilling, and I hope that it will cause you to hear and see with a fresh perspective. It's the same voice. In early 2019, I wrote this down. As I was praying for mercy and more time for our nation, I all of a sudden saw two trajectories. I don't want to say they were missiles because it wasn't like that, but they, they were going up in the air and they were parallel with one another, one being um, higher than the other and one slightly above or, or further ahead than the other, like in an arch almost. And these two trajectories, um, they were like in the path, like arches, was Netanyahu and Trump. Those were the names on these two trajectories, and Netanyahu's was the one that was slightly ahead. As I was trying to understand this, as that was just all of a sudden there as I'm um, praying, and trying to understand what it was I was seeing and asking the Holy Spirit, I felt like he said, watch these two men. They represent conservatives and true, growing, persecuted groups that are hated for his namesake. Conservative Jew, conservative Christian. They were on the same trajectory, and it came to my memory all the things that had been happening that are very similar with these two men. Both are being accused of criminal acts. Both are actually using the verbiage of witch hunt. Both are bold and speaking out against liberal media, fake news and stuff, uh, terrorism, Trump has brought Jesus back into the White House, and Bibi has brought Bible study back. Even his own child has participated and won a national Bible quiz contest. Now remember, this was written almost two years ago. Both Bibi and his opponent have claimed victory. By the way, all liberal media has been reporting for months he's done for. No way he can win. He miraculously closed the gap today, and we won't know until tomorrow who will win. If I understand what the Holy Spirit was showing me about them being on the same trajectory and not Netanyahu wins, I believe we too will have the mercy of God for another four years. But as we know, make no mistake, the other part of this was showing me the attack that these two men have been under so strongly, unlike any other before. They represent what, will look, what it will look like for conservatives soon. Constant persecution, false allegations, 
being under a microscope will be the beginnings. I will keep a close eye on this election and pray for the mercy for America to have more time to prepare his people before the pendulum swings as well as for Israel. As I have continued to watch this unfold in Israel, they ended up having two elections, and finally they had to make an agreement to share the PM position. Netanyahu has it for the first 18 months, and then Gantz. As the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, 9 and 10, it says, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. You see, the Lord speaks and reveals, but until that which is perfect comes, we are walking in mixture. Some of us have more, some of us have less. And the closer and more mature we become, and being accustomed to hearing his voice and becoming sensitive to him, we should have less, as we are being transformed into the image of Christ. So the Lord may speak and we may know it's him, and sometimes he's so clear and gives a, a super clear interpretation, and sometimes we have a sense of something, and we still know that it's him, but we don't have a clear interpretation, and we have to wait for it to be fulfilled, and then we can see it in hindsight and say, oh yes, that's that was clearly what that was. I'm going to come back to what I just spoke about with Trump and Netanyahu, and hopefully um, tie some things together for you, but I want to first briefly share a few more pieces of this prophetic picture with you. Um, within a few months of the summer and fall of 2019, the Lord showed me many things, and uh, God had opened the door for me at our church to preach a few Sundays, and to be a leader in our women's ministry, at which point I was able to share these things. So um, I'll just briefly go through them. One, um, and I believe this was either at the end of 2018, um, or beginning of 2019, what I saw was a Christian family in a home with a black blanket covering them. They were like in a living room or something, and this black blanket covering them. But what was happening underneath this blanket I could see was this family was closed in and they were praying and there was all sorts of things coming out. Confessions, um, things that had been hidden that were maybe things they needed to apologize for. It was kind of like a purging is what I saw underneath this black blanket. But it was God's mercy and grace because he was dealing with it in private. And, you know, looking at the blanket, you could see that it, it black, you know, you would think, oh, that seems scary or fearful or, you know, evil or something like that. But it was being used of God, this, this closing in, this covering in this home for Christians and, and having these things come to the surface. It was like God was using this time to bring these things to the surface Again, this was before any pandemic, before we were shut in, before any of these things happened. And no, God didn't show me that there was going to be a pandemic that shut us in, but he did show that he that this there was going to be a, I, I guess you could say, interpret, that this, this black thing that maybe even what Satan meant for evil, God was going to use for good. He was going to purge his people during this time. Another vision, um, or word, or whatever you want to call it, I was driving. Again, this is, I think, in the summer of 2019, before COVID was even a word in our vocabulary. Um, I was by myself and just driving, and um, I was coming up to a stop and was going to have to turn left. But as I'm praying, the Holy Spirit all of a sudden speaks to me and says, what do you see? And so I look around, and, and I see this church that is being built. Now, 
I know it was a church just because I live close in this community. Um, but as he's saying this, what do you see? I'm just like observing, so I'm just making observations. I see this building being built. I don't see a name on it. I don't know that it's a church. If I, I had the sense of what was I supposed to be seeing if I didn't know what that thing was. And so I'm looking at it, and it was under construction. And so you know how construction um, is hidden. They'll, they'll put like tarps up. Usually they're ugly and orange, and they just cover the construction mess. Well, this um, didn't have the orange ones. Instead, they were like beautiful pictures, expensive like tarps or billboard-type material around to cover the construction mess, serving the same purpose of covering the mess, but it was still, um, they were pictures instead of the orange. And all of these scenes, these pictures, there, there was kids playing soccer, there was people eating, people laughing. And as I round the corner, I see the same kinds of things, because this, this church is on a corner, I don't see a name. Um, and there was only one picture that would even remotely, slightly look uh, that could identify it as a church if you knew. But it, if anything, you would think that it just looked like a concert because there was a man in the background on a stage. It was all black and like smoky looking. And um, there was in the forefront of this image, you could see people's hands up in the air and glow sticks around their, their arms. And so I'm observing and the Holy Spirit says to me, what will be left when I take all these things away. When he shuts the doors of the house of entertainment, is what I could hear. When the programs are taken away, when all the community type events, because the only thing that I was seeing is what looked like a community center. Where was God? Again, this was prior to any churches being shut down. But God is still using these things. He's still using these, these uh, things that seem negative to us to allow us to see what's inside of our own hearts. Do we just stop having anything to do with God if the church doors have been closed? What are the pastors doing? Were they simply hirelings or true shepherds? Um, another thing that he showed me at the end, in the fall of 2019 as I was praying was um, all of a sudden I saw this image of these pillars of stone with wood in them. And I knew that these pillars, they were beautiful, they were strong, they were what represented what I could feel the Holy Spirit saying to me, pillars of truth. But as I'm examining these pillars, they're made with stone, but so intermingled within them is all this wood. And you couldn't separate the two out. It was impossible for you to be able to, because it was like they were molded together. The wood intertwined within the stone. And as I'm looking at this and understanding these are, are pillars of truth, all of a sudden fire from heaven comes down and touches on the top of these pillars. And in an instant, the wood was burned away. And what was left was just the stone or the, the whatever the, the material marble, I'm not sure what it was, but it was a strong thing that was definitely not wood. And as I prayed about this, the Holy Spirit was showing me. This wasn't, like, you could easily interpret that as, oh, God's going to remove sin in our life, something like that. 
but that's not what he called them. They were called pillars of truth. And what I believe this was talking about is that the Lord is dealing with our ideas of quote-unquote truths, doctrinal stances that we have taken that don't line up with what his truth is. See, these are truths to us. And the Lord is going to start dealing with these things. And I can, I actually plan on speaking about this at some other time, but there's, as he's developing this in me and I've been praying about it, there's at least three things that I want to touch on at some point about that. But they were burned up in an instant. God did it. We couldn't figure out how to get the wood out of there. Maybe these truths are in a way that you've been raised, that you've held on to these doctrinal stances. And again, I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm not talking about uh, us being saved and Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and his blood atoning for us. I'm talking about things that we have held on to that has caused disunity between other brothers or has kept us from not being able to see the revelation of Jesus Christ so clearly. As you guys know, we, um, at the end of 2019, we have been wanting to take this uh, a cross-country trip for many years, and it's just never panned out. We've had all we've planned it so many times, and it's just never, for some reason, has never been able to happen. And we had talked about flying. We had talked about traveling by train. We wanted to show the children the the places where America was founded. It was very important as a homeschool family, and um, so this last year, we, the last few years, we've we've really studied that out. And like, we've got to take this trip. We've got to take this trip. And so, as we were planning this trip, um, we had all these little vacation spots along the way. We decided it was going to be a road trip. Why not? The Holy Spirit spoke to me, "Pray as you go." I'm like, "Okay, that sounds good. We'll have a vacation, and we'll pray for America as we go." Well. That, again, was before any sort of COVID thing. And this pandemic hit, and we had already scheduled and paid for all these things, but everything was shut down. What are we going to do? And we prayed and prayed about it. And my husband even termed the word, it's a praycation. We're going across the nation to pray. But even with each other, we, start, we would laugh at times of like, wow, we get to go on this vacation and pray. Well, I'll tell you that God has a funny way of doing things, and he ended up turning it really into uh, pray across the nation and have some fun along the way. As we decided that we were going to continue to go, it was in the height of the COVID shutdowns. It was in the height of the race riots and the statues being pulled down, and the Holy Spirit um, just was with us the whole time. But as we went, you could you could discern that there was more place there was places that were more fearful than others um you could feel that in the spirit we stopped we were fervent in praying for every single state that we passed by in fact my husband was shown a vision of of coming behind us this like sewing like it was a needle going in and out in and out of the places that we were going and we were praying for those to even come after us to continue in prayer for this nation and i know that we surely are not the only ones praying that way as the holy spirit will will speak uh, there's a unity in spirit, and so I'm sure that there have been thousands of people praying the same kinds of things. We're just one voice among many. But the Lord has certainly 
done that. We are seeing all these worship things, all of these uh, events, because what is happening with the pandemics and the riots is causing people to um, have to rise up in their beliefs and their uh, asking God and calling upon the Lord in a more public fashion. But even then, as we were traveling, none of it was super spiritual. But once we hit up in Plymouth and standing there and praying on that coast, literally to the year, 400 years prior is when the pilgrims came. And before they even got off of the Mayflower, they made a compact with their fellow man and with God. That is the beginning of our nation. We might have won freedom from Britain and declared ourselves free in 1776, but it was then, and it was founded on a covenant with the Lord. As we stood there and prayed, there was a sense, and as we began to travel down to you know, Washington, D.C., and um, but when we hit Philadelphia, and I've wrote, written about this, you can read it in more detail, don't have time to go into it here. What I was experiencing was the funeral of America. The Spirit of God was so heavily upon me I could not stand, and I wept. I just wept. I had to sit down and weep. I had already experienced understanding. I had been a, a, a warning siren for over two decades, for over 20 years, saying the same things of, of America. And yet, it was like being at a funeral. And what I heard in that time was, after I cried and cried, get up and wash your face and see something different. So when I got home, I had to look into that and I prayed about it and just continued asking the Lord about it. And we're going to read, if there's an application here, here it is. Um, you can follow along, chapter 12, I'm going to start in verse 13, I'm not going to read the whole story, but just to recap here real fast, David was idle, um, he was not standing what he was supposed to be doing, he was not guarded, he ended up committing adultery, his pride blinded him, that even when the prophet Nathan came to him, uh, he, he said, yes, this is a horrible person, he needs to be you know, in trouble for this, and Nathan told him, you are the man. And then he repented. And what did the Lord speak to him? Let's find out. So in verse 13, it says that, So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also who is with you, or who is born to you, shall surely die. Then Nathan departed to his house. And the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and it became ill. David therefore pleaded with God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. So the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground. But he would not, nor did he eat food with them. Then on the seventh day it came to pass that the child died. 
And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him, and he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm. When David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead, and therefore David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, Yes, he's dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and then when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. Then a servant said to him, What is this that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, Well, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Can you see that David was given authority and anointed? We know that David is a type and shadow of Christ, but let me just extend this right now and the application that I felt like the Holy Spirit was giving to me was a picture of his church represented in uh, even America. He represented God's name in the earth, his kingdom and leadership represented God. So I ask, has America, who has been given so much, born as a Christian nation, founded in covenant with God, given reason for the whole world to blaspheme him? You may ask how. How has God's people done this? And again, like I said, I'm going to say we. We have watered down the word of God. We have preached social gospels and have been proselytized by the world. We have winked an eye at what God abhors and have accepted it into every single denomination. We have profaned worship, making it about self, and have invited in seeker-sensitive movements. With greed, we have invited in the prosperity gospel. With arrogance, we have indoctrinated many with the, quote, replacement theology of God's chosen people, shunning them and making ourselves ignorant to the ways of God. We have become gods unto ourselves and used the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to, quote, not judge, and become compromised to the point of looking no different, not sanctified, not set apart, from the world. We've stopped preaching the truth of God's word and instead tickle ears and tell people what they want to hear to make sure that we keep our churches full. We are a church under judgment, being purged, but he has a faithful remnant. All these things that have, he's been speaking to us and warning us about, he has allowed us to be shut in. It's for our benefit, allowing those, that purging to take place in our own lives to let us see what, what's really inside of us. On our way back, traveling back, I don't know if we were in Louisiana or something like that, I heard the words, it's time to organize the underground church. Whether that church is seen or is truly hidden, it's time to organize and prepare as people. We are in need of leaders, those who have been tested in the refining fires and those who have allowed God's discipline in their lives, those who have been diligent in seeking God and his plans, those who understand spiritual warfare, those who have organizational gifts and talents to rise up. It's time for the people of God to see where we are spiritually and get up and wash your faces, anoint yourselves, and accept where we are. 
You see the warnings of America falling, civil war, her ceasing to exist as she always has, are not warnings anymore. We are here. We're here. That time is over, and I'm not an alarm going off trying to wake people up. People are awoken. They've finally woken up. We're starting to see it. People are starting to see, oh my goodness, what is happening in this nation, in church. But many are looking and trying to save America and, quote, make her great again. Just like David's son, he did not resurrect him. He died. And David mourned and fasted and prayed before he died. And yet, when the message came to him, your son has died, the mourning was over. It was interesting timing as we were traveling back and the Lord gave me this word and once I hit the East Coast and in traveling back, it wasn't until much later that I realized, my goodness, did he physically, is he physically fulfilling the thing of that dream in 2011, of starting on the West Coast, seeing the destruction of America, its foundations are cracked, getting to the East Coast, and warning, coming back and warning. So how can we interpret the things God has been showing forth? I say I believe these things to be from God, but I don't claim to be completely set on the interpretation. If the seven years of plenty are literal, I believe God will give us a few more years, but not in the way that we might consider plenty. We will still be in riots and all sorts of craziness, but if we are still under a conservative government, then there's a protection of sorts. If the seven years are literal, then that would put us at only three more years. That's not a full presidential term. That's where I wonder if the interpretation of the Trump and Netanyahu vision could indicate a strange election um, that seems to be shaping up, or a shortened term like Netanyahu. What we do, what will we do in this time of plenty? We need to store up and be prepared for the famine. And I'm not talking just physical, obviously, I'm talking about a spiritual famine. As far as China and Russia flag, um, I'll be transparent with what I'm thinking. Was that flag hoisted simply symbolically of communism coming to America, or was it literal? God has been uncovering the schemes of the enemy, as we have been asking him to. We see global agendas and the tearing down of America right before our very eyes, criminal behaviors and all sorts of scandals and even treason, ties to Russia and China, and if it's literal, I believe this could happen by the left calling on China and Russia to come in with, quote, peace to overthrow a fascist regime. As we know that that's how Trump has been labeled. You see, it's time to refocus ourselves and build up the church and prepare the bride. Maybe we'll get three more years of mercy. I can tell you now it's not to be uh, wasted or to get comfortable or to make America great again. It would be to ready God's people. So it's time to get up and wash our faces, anoint ourselves, worship, and change our perspective. So how do we prepare? I was uh, reading and studying. There's this, if you Google it, you can find the whole article, but Somebody had written on five stages of persecution, how it comes in. And I just want to, I'll briefly touch on those. 
The first one, number one, is stereotyping the targeted group. That's happened. Two, vilifying the targeted group for alleged crimes or misconduct. Three, marginalizing the targeted group's role in society. Four, criminalizing the tar targeted group or its works. And then five, persecuting the targeted group outright. We are definitely well into these. <clears throat> and as the Equality Act is hanging, and Biden has said that his first 100 days in office, he'd get that passed. Um, we can see where this is going. Corey Ten Boom, in 1974, wrote this. There are some among us teaching there will be no tribulation, that the Christians will be able to escape all of this. These are false teachers that Jesus was warning us to expect in the latter days. Most of them have little knowledge of what is already going on across the world. I've been in countries where the saints are already suffering terrible persecution. In China, the Christians were told, don't worry, before the tribulation comes, you'll be translated, raptured. Then came a terrible persecution. Millions of Christians were tortured to death. Later, I heard a bishop, a bishop from China say, sadly, we have failed. We should have made the people strong for persecution rather than telling them Jesus would come first. Tell the people how to be strong in the times of persecution, how to stand when tribulation comes to stand and not faint. I feel I have a divine mandate to go and tell the people of this world that it is possible to be strong in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are in training for the tribulation, but more than 60% of the body of Christ across the world has already entered into tribulation. There is no way to escape it. We are next. Those were words written by Corey Tim Boom in 1974. So I will close by um, trying to be applicable in this. How do we prepare? Number one, we need to acknowledge where we are at. Despite fear, despite disappointment, maybe we've had ideas and dreams and we feel like our future is being ripped from us. We have to acknowledge his timeline. We have to acknowledge what we see being uh, happening uh, in this time, in this world, in our nation, with the churches. Two, be sensitive to the Spirit. Quiet yourself before Him. Three, we need to shift our focus from the natural, temporal, and looking always just in the natural and the temporal, and shift it to seeing things in the spiritual and eternal purposes. That's a complete shift. It's a complete change of perspective. You see things differently. And lastly, educate yourself on persecution. Begin reading books about those who have gone into other nations, those who have already suffered. And it is such a encouragement in their testimonies. And pray for our brothers and sisters who are in chains already. Pray for the Holy Spirit to comfort them in their time of persecution and ask the Lord to prepare us and our hearts.